Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. It is our number two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM here on a Wednesday. I'm Ben Wilson from our Circus Sportsbook Studios downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi with us back on the show. Patrick will return tomorrow as well. Big thanks to Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass. And Harry Gagnon going to join us in about a half hour's time from the Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal. Always look forward to having Harry on board here on Wednesdays. Michael, this segment, let's get into our marquee matchups for week number four. And we'll start... In the matchup in Baltimore, Buffalo goes to Baltimore, Bills, Ravens, and we're seeing about a, a three-and-a-half-point spread, at least so far. I'll start with Wicks. I know you make lines for every single game just based on your, your power ratings for these teams. Uh, we'll start here and, and then uh, go into the Lamar Jackson piece of this. Where do you make a line for a, a spot like this, Bills, Ravens? Interesting spot for both of these teams coming off of pretty emotional games last week. You know, I, I have the Bills as a – I have them as a 4.12 favorite in the game. Buffalo is significant, uh, really a very high rating uh, on my power rankings. Baltimore is one, two, three, seventh best team in the league. Uh, uh, Baltimore's issues defensively. Baltimore's really good. I think Lamar's playing at at his highest level going back to 19. Unbelievably accurate, moving with his feet, making plays. The question I have is how good is Baltimore's defense? They got fortunate – and they turned the ball over last week. But we saw Miami move the ball. New England averaged 7-1 per play against them in that game. New England's mistakes cost them. This is where I get a little bit worried. I think this, Ben, I wrote about this for the Daily Coach today. I think the greatest thing happened in Buffalo was losing to Miami. Because now they're focusing attention on straightening themselves out. Whether they're healthy or enough, I don't know. But at least they're focused and they won't make the mental mistakes. Because they should have beaten Miami, in spite of the injuries. And you think about where they're at defensively, and even though we we think about that, it can easily be an excuse at this time of the year when you have four starters in the defensive backfield out. The Bills just signed Xavier Rhodes to the practice squad, so at least trying to bring in some sort of veteran presence, at least to the squad this week. When you look at them, at least in a vacuum for this week specifically, I think a lot most people would look at that box score They'd look at the Bills' overall strengths, Michael, and they'd say, yeah, this team is probably situated still pretty solidly here for the rest of the season, still your Super Bowl favorite. But what about this matchup, considering what Lamar can do to you with his legs in, in this spot? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's what we're seeing. This is the modern game today. You know, I was talking to somebody about, you know, you still have to be a pocket passer and Lamar's can't play, come play. Look, look I'm telling you, this is two guys that are going to lead their team in rushing attempts you know, uh, Josh Allen did in the playoffs. Josh Allen will continue to do so. Uh, and both these defenses, you're going to have to move the quarterback around or else it's going to be problematic. Baltimore's offensive line, I don't think it's been very good, but they've been able to get away with it because of Lamar's movement. And Buffalo gets away with it because who can tackle the big guy, right? I mean, it's just yeah. hard to get him on the ground. And so, you know, where Baltimore has had an advantage a little bit is the fact that they've created eight turnovers in, four, in three weeks and they've only given the ball up three times. So that plus five gives them a distinct advantage. But look, go back to the Jet game. The Jets could have run the ball on Baltimore. They chose not to. Baltimore's 26th in the National Football League in yards per attempt, right? 26th. I mean, that's not good. And, you, you know, Buffalo's going to be able to run the ball. And when you think about it, most teams that play Baltimore have run the ball on them. 
because they're only 32nd in passing attempts allowed, right? They're 32nd in yards passing. I mean, teams throw the ball on them too, right? They throw it on them. And their yards per – and the only thing that saves their whole passing defense is the fact that they're they're number one in in interceptions. That combination, the 26 you were talking about on the rushing, last in passing, it is, it's combined to put them in a spot where, yeah, 6.5 yards per play allowed defensively, by far the worst rate in the league, and they've made up for it with this ridiculous near 7 yards per play offensive efficiency so far, at least to this point. I have to, I have to say, I was a little surprised to see this total come crashing down the way it did. It was opened in that 55 range, which I get is very high by NFL totals. And we've seen the data so far through three weeks. Totals are, are pretty significantly down so far in the low 40s on average here. But are you surprised at all to see such a, a shift down to 51 and a half at this point when you consider the issues that both teams that we've just detailed are dealing with defensively? Yeah, I, I don't see it. I would play the over. I don't know why it's going the other way unless they feel like, you know, Harbaugh is going to manage the game and try to really slow the clock down. That's the other point I forgot to mention to you in the Detroit game. Detroit never slowed the clock. Detroit was snapping the ball yeah. with 14 seconds where they had, to, you know, they had time. I mean, when you're trying to win the game and you're snapping the ball with 14 seconds that it do and do it five times in a row, you know, you, you're basically giving your opponent another, you know, a zillion plays. So, I mean, maybe Harbaugh decides to slow the pace down. I think with this Buffalo team, they can play any way you want to play. You want to let them run it, they'll run it. You want to let them throw it, they'll throw it. And I think they're in a position where they kind of are disappointed. A lot of this is going to come down to the health of their defense. Can they stay healthy? Do they have enough guys? But the key to Buffalo's defense, and don't make any mistake about this, all these injuries, is Matt Milano. Milano gets them where they need to go. As a linebacker anchoring that unit, and they'll ask a lot out of him because you look at Lamar Jackson so far. I know it's a small sample size. It's only three games. But leads the league in touchdown passes with 10. Top five in rushing yards with 243. He's trying to do something. If he were to finish the, the year leading the league in touchdown passes and top five in rushing, that has not been done since 1944. I mean, we're talking Frankie Sinwich, Michael, in World War II but, with the Detroit Lions. It's absolutely insane. I mean, I love the nugget because, look, I, that's, all I be, that's all I've been saying is, is you know, all these things are, are related to the single wing, right? I mean, they're all related to the single wing. Teams have been... You know, that's where teams have done it. I mean, they're, they're really going back to where the quarterback is the focal point of the offense. This is the debate I had with a friend of mine today. Like, well, you can't play like that and win a play. Yeah, I think you can. I, I, I would have been the first to say you can't, but the way they're running the quarterbacks, he said, well, the quarterback's going to get hurt. I don't know if Lamar's going to get hurt or Josh Allen's going to get hurt the way they protect themselves. I think Justin Fields is going to get hurt because I think Justin Fields is running back playing quarterback. I don't think he's a quarterback. I think these other two guys understand how to play and how to avoid the hits. And you think about where Lamar is at in that regard and how it's translated here. At least you think about MVP odds. And again, we're three weeks in. That's when this discussion starts to happen. Third on the odds board right now. Where would you rank Lamar, though, at least if you're talking about the most valuable players you've seen through the first three weeks here? I think he's in the – I mean, he's been sensational. I mean, he, it, nothing's disappoint. I mean, I, I – my, my – my relationship with Lamar goes back to when he was a sophomore at Louisville. And and I would and I compare him a lot to Anthony Richardson when he was a sophomore. Because there's moments when I watch Florida that I think Florida if Anthony Richardson can just throw a basic pass, Florida would win the game, right? And and yet and that's the same way Lamar was at Louisville. There was a there was a kid there, I forget his name. He was an undersized, he was a walk on, a walk on at Louisville, Bobby Petrino had him as the backup quarterback. And whenever he went in the game, they actually moved the ball with more efficiency. And he executed the offense. And I would say to my son, Matthew, Matthew, just play the other kid. I mean, Lamar's not ready to play. And by the end of the year, Lamar was ready to play. And to me, Lamar got better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And this year, Lamar is better than any version we've seen of Lamar going back to his MVP season. And if he puts on that pace continuously, you have to think. Those odds at plus 550 right now will only continue to shorten. At this point, it's Mahomes and Allen, two pretty good quarterbacks. But again, with what we're talking about, the upside for Lamar Jackson, plus 550. There are worse bets to be made, is what I would say, Michael, if you're looking at the futures market, even though you're taking a stab at a, at a three-week sample size, at least 
to this point. You think about Patrick Mahomes and where he's at, that's another game we want to talk about as far as highlighting our marquee games of the week. A lot of concerns about just the status of this game in general when you have a hurricane bearing down on Tampa Bay and we're thinking of everybody there I think it's right there now. It is. I I think it's there now. I think it's going through it right now at landfall. And and Miami is flying around it going up to Cincinnati. So, you know, yeah, I I mean, look, it it seems going to be – I don't know where they're going to – if they're playing. I mean, today's only Wednesday, so it does give you enough time, but we'll see how much damage. It looks really – it's strengthening as it kind of came on shore. Not that I'm – Jim Cantor over here, like I'm not, you know, I'm not the weatherman, but I mean, I was paying attention to it. We would never confuse you for one, for Jim Cantor, but the National Hurricane Center did up, upgrade that to a Category 2 on Monday, and the Bucks they've moved their practice to Miami, at least to start the week. I bring up Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because they will eventually, presumably, be flying down to Tampa to take on the Bucks, and it's a line here that sits at two. You have concerns for both teams, a Chiefs team that came up with Probably the worst special teams performance of the season through three weeks, and a Tampa team that is in just complete injury hell right now. Michael, which, which side do you give an edge to if we were to take out the concerns about the weather going into this spot? Look, I, I mean, you could just see it in Brady's face. I mean, he's struggling. He really is. He's struggling to try to move the ball, you know, and and he's struggling with getting any continuity with his offense, the offensive line, the receivers. I mean, Mike Evans coming back is a huge get, right? Kansas City last week, I did not think they played well offensively. I thought they got after Mahomes. You know, I know he wasn't sacked much, but I didn't think – I mean, if you take Kelsey out of the game, where are they going? Where Who scares you in their offense? You know, like where are they – they're not the same team. Let's They may have the same uniforms on, but without Tyreek Hill, they're not the same explosive off. Now, Mahomes is great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's a top-five player. He, he misses some throws. He makes mistakes. But when he's loose and gets around, he's tough to deal with. But for me, I, I don't know. I don't know how how he is able to. Uh, you know, I don't know how they're going to be explosive with their offense and their kicking game. Let them down last week. Moore dropped that punt that gave Indianapolis their points. I thought they were good on defense, and their corners can cover. They're going to play man to man against these Buck receivers. Can they get open? But if Godwin's back with Perryman and Evans, you got to like Tampa a little bit here. And the early money coming to the Bucks. This is down to one or one and a half in most shops. We saw the skirmish, too, and the argument between Mahomes and his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy at halftime. You concerned about that at all, or just two competitors going at it? Oh, no, I think Mahomes wanted to try to score at the end of the half, and Bieniemy's like, let's just get out of here at halftime. I don't think there's anything to it. I <laughs> think I just we make, we make way more out of that than there really is. You know, the bigger deal, I would say, on the betting line is the status of Harrison Bucker because we saw how exposed they were special teams-wise with uh, basically a fill-in and Matt Amendola missing multiple kicks. Bucker still questionable with a high ankle sprain. Yep. That, to me, is, is the thing. You need to have clarity on before you're making a wager on this game. Kickers matter. We found that they out do. last week. If oh, you were a better yeah, of the no team, it certainly mattered on that one. We'll take a look at some of the biggest injuries, talking about these injuries, on the Week 4 card. We'll break down all of those next right here on the Lombardi Line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. The NHL season is almost here, and our hockey betting experts are ready for all the action. The VSIN Hockey Season Prep Guide will be available soon with strategies and best bets for the season ahead. Get in-depth analysis from our hockey experts, including Andy McNeil, with predictions for teams and players, win totals, daily betting tips, season-long trends to watch, plus three things every new NHL better should know. This guide is a must-have with key insights and data for both avid hockey bettors and those new to the sport. Give yourself an edge this season and get the VEASAN Hockey Season Prep Guide by becoming a VEASAN Pro subscriber today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We're into hour number two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Patrick Maher returns tomorrow. I'm Ben Wilson from Circus Sportsbook. It's our studios in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi with us back on the show today. We're talking biggest injuries, Michael, coming into week four. And just a bizarre uh, story. You you saw some of the footage that the uh, area police department there in Cleveland had released yesterday. Miles Garrett in a single car crash looked to be okay, at least. And that was the good news. The bad news was the reports coming out was that he suffered shoulder and bicep strains in that crash, was not in the team building yesterday, uh, they or today rather as well. They assume he'll be maybe back tomorrow. That was the hope, what Kevin Stefanski said today. But with likely no Garrett, at least as of now for Sunday in Atlanta, Jadavian Clowney is already questionable. We've seen some money here come to the Falcons' side. Uh, and if you look at Atlanta to this point, it's a one-and-two team, but they've moved the ball pretty effectively against all their opponents so far. How impressed have you been with what Arthur Smith's been able to cook up on the offensive side there for Atlanta? I mean, look, Atlanta easily could be two-and-one. I mean, they give away 18 points in the fourth quarter against the Saints, and last week they were able to make a play in the fourth quarter. They got, they got a holding call late in the fourth quarter that really helped them, and they beat Seattle. That was a track meet. That was a fun game to watch. I, if you haven't seen that game, go back and watch it because it was fun. Both teams moved the ball really effortlessly, and Cordell Patterson, to me, if he was on another team, he would be in the MVP conversation. He might be the best back in the league. Seriously, he might be the best back in the league. He's just impossible to tackle. He's powerful. He can get to the edge. He can run inside. Plus, he can catch the ball. I mean, he really has been the difference. Remember, when you're a spread team like Atlanta, and you know people think it's the receivers that make the difference, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, who's not a tight end, by the way. Let's just forget about that. Uh, He's a receiver. Okay, you know, and so – the, those guys, but the back makes it, and it becomes a problem because do you stay base against the back? Do you go to nickel? You know, and they're able to utilize the quarterback in the run game, which now gives you another dimension. Remember, when you're not a great quarterback and you can run, you become a little bit better. It's like Daniel Jones. When Daniel Jones runs, he looks like a better quarterback because he's making plays with his feet, and you have to defend his feet. And I think Mariota's a little – I mean, I think Mariota's better than Daniel Jones, don't get me wrong. And he's been accurate with the football, and they move it. The problems with Atlanta have been defensively. They're god-awful. They're just horrible defensively. And that's the issue. And so, you know, can they play a track meet game here, you know? I mean, they're just not good enough when they play, you know, when they play with their defense. Their defense can't get stops when they need them the most. And you bring up just the conflating styles and how Cleveland has tried to continue this ground and pound, drain the game clock out, and, and use their defense and their strong running game to their advantage. If Garrett indeed misses this game here for the Browns, you've talked about the explosiveness that you like out of Atlanta already, and you think about the numbers for Cordero Patterson, 300 rushing yards alone in the first three games, over six yards a carry here. 
what do you expect out of out of Atlanta in that specific matchup if such a big player like Garrett is actually out of this one? No, I think I think look, Cleveland's got to play a certain way, right? They're going to run the ball. They're going to control the clock. They, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you're saying to yourself, "I got to get into this game and control with 35 minutes." You're going to get a lot of Nick Chubb. You're going to get a lot of Cream Hunt. They have improved. They can stop them. I mean, they're eighth in the National Football League in yards allowed per play, right? I mean, they're not very good on first down. They can't ever get control of the game. You know where Atlanta's really picked up the most steam. And why they have been able to be in these games is they're plus minus. We never talk about this, but this is one of the things I think is so important when you look at the stats after a game. They're plus minus in, in, in penalties in terms of how many yards you get versus how many you don't. Like, let me give you an example, Ben. The Raiders are playing the Titans. They get the turnover. Mm-hmm. Carr scrambles to his right, throws the ball to Waller. Waller's got the ball first and goal with the two. They got a holding call in there. 10 yards, that shows up for 10 yards on the stat sheet. Well, really, it's not a 10-yard penalty because the ball was going to be at the 2. So now that's a 50-yard penalty or a 455-yard penalty. See, those hidden yards are what kills you. And when you, don't, when you have a positive in your penalty takeaway situation, it's an enormous advantage to your team. Atlanta's the number one team in that area. Atlanta's the number one team in penalties in terms of the advantage that they have gained from penalties. They're 108 in yards yeah. gained. And Baltimore's the same way. Baltimore's They're only had two. eight penalties. They're number two. It's amazing that Las Vegas is actually number three on that because you – and, it, it, you know, we can have the, the Vegas discussion here to, to wrap up the show because I'm, I'm really fascinated to get your thoughts on that game where you think about how they've shot themselves in the foot so many times, but it actually has not been – by sloppiness or penalties. It's more been untimely turnovers and uh, important well, decision-making in the red zone. I mean, we could talk about it. Look, uh, the, the Raiders, the, the, there's nothing. The Raiders are a really good 0-3 team, and I'm not saying that because my son works there, but when you watch the tape, I mean, they beat themselves. Waller dropped. The first, the first pass in the end zone went right through his hands. Then the other one turned over in the red zone, right? I mean, they have... They untimely drops. They haven't made the plays when they need to make the plays. It's their, they're their own worst enemy. They're their own worst enemy. You know, they get a delay of the game called on the two-point play, which I think is fascinating because Tampa did the same thing. Like, I think they're setting that 25-second clock, and these teams don't know it when they're setting it because they're getting them off guard. Maybe, maybe a procedural thing on that. I, regardless, the, the point you bring up, it's an outstanding uh, pro tip that will run out as, as our VEASAN pro tip of the hour here, where the, the, when you're able to quantify to these net penalty yards, it's a really good indication of a general sense of discipline for these teams and how you can carry that forward, especially if you have a certain mismatch in, in the betting market for that upcoming week. Something to pay attention to when you're handicapping these games, the net penalty uh, yardage, and, and you can find those stats pretty easily. Not a surprise, Michael, when I pull up the list and see the bottom three teams here so far, the Jets... The Cardinals, the Titans, your three worst teams in, uh, in net penalty yardage so far. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's why. And the Jets are in the bottom of almost every statistical category. You say, well, why do you pick on Salai so much? You know, because I, he gives me no choice but the, the number. He's coaching the team, and there's nothing they do well. And they haven't done anything well in a year and a half. Like, you, it's penalties. It's turnovers. It's yeah. yard. Everything's bad. A little bit of everything. <laughs> and not only that, even something like, Penalty yardage, negative, uh, negative 96. That is the discrepancy. Well, I'll tell you, we got a game this week. We got a game this week. Seattle, Detroit. Both teams can't, both teams can't get it straight. Detroit's minus 53 in, in yards per, based on penalty, and Seattle's minus 83. You know? I mean, there it is. And, and what people don't realize is in that number, minus 83, isn't a real number because they don't count where the play ended up. They count where they get it back. Those hidden yards are so threat. That's why when you give yards away like that, that's, that's like I say this all the time, the secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the non-obvious that causes you to lose games. You think about, too, the way this line, not only based on what, what we just last saw and the mismanagement late in the game by Dan Campbell, for, especially as we're talking big injuries here, but we already mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown leaves that game early. His status as of now was just upgraded to probable, so that's good news. Uh, however, DeAndre Swift, he's out indefinitely with an ankle injury, and, and as we know, that's a team you don't want to be yeah. relying on Jared Goff to throw the football a ton. So a line that opens 6.5 for Detroit 
it's as low as four, Michael, in some spots. Do you think that's an accurate uh, reflection in, in the line move there, Seattle-Detroit? You know, I, my, my number on this game was three and a half. And I think Circa's at five right now this morning when I got up because I try to use the circuit numbers because it, uh, that's a snapshot on Thursday. And then I do that, and then from there it goes, you kind of can play off of it. But, yeah, look, I Still mean, at five to, at me, Circa. to me, Detroit's better than Seattle. Detroit can move the ball. Now, Williams has run the ball really well for Detroit, and Detroit can block. I mean, Seattle doesn't do anything well defensively. Their scheme's not a problem. Their talent level's not a problem. If you want to throw it, please throw it. If you want to run it, go ahead, please. I mean, Atlanta just was chunk yardage down the field. It was up and down, up and down. But so was Seattle against Atlanta. I mean, Seattle will run the football against Detroit. Minnesota could run the ball against Detroit. They, they got behind in the game, which they had to get away from it. But they could run the ball. You know, to me, this is going to come down to, you know, with that line at five, I think I take Seattle. I think if it gets closer to three, this is going to be one of those, you could be on both sides of this. Yeah, I, w- I would look at, uh, if you're thinking about the total too, everything you're talking about, Detroit's been the over team of the year so far. Game Three games that uh, they go over, two of them by pretty comfortable margin. And Seattle, people probably look at them and they say, well, it's Geno Smith and it's a rebuilding team. They can and move the but, ball. But exactly. So I look at a total in 50 and I almost wonder, why is that not higher? And maybe this is just because we've seen scoring a little bit subdued here through the first three weeks. But there are a few matchups where maybe you say, all right, here is the week where the correction comes. And in a matchup like this, this is the second game I've looked at, Michael, where I see a total in the low 50s. And I'm saying, uh, yes, uh, yes, please, I will take a piece of that over. I mean, Seattle gives up 6-3 a play, Detroit 5-8. Pretty I mean, simple. you know, I think they're going to be the ball. The ball's going to move. Yeah. Now, whether they score or not, that's another story. But the ball is going to move. They'll, they'll have their opportunities. We, we feel pretty <laughs> confident in saying that heading into Seahawks ad lines. Uh, Harry Gagden, he joins us next, the former Las Vegas Sportsbook Supervisor and Against All Odds podcast co-host with Cousin Sal. Harry, next up on the Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Start your football season on the right foot by subscribing to VSIN Pro. Get full access to everything we do, including our daily picks at a glance recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests, 24 7 video season prep, including our weekly college and pro football matchup guides covering every game all season long. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits and pro tips updated every hour with actionable insights to up your betting game. Sign up on our discounted football special and get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. As we welcome you back to the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM, I'm Ben, and for Patrick, there's Michael. We've got Harry G on the line. Harry Gagnon always joins us every Wednesday here on the Lombardi line. Give him a follow at AAO. Harry, uh, Harry, always great to have you on the show here. I know you had a couple totals last week that didn't quite get there. No thanks to yeah. Carson Wentz and, uh, and Kyler Murray. A nice bounce cool. back for you, though. On the uh, You had the first touchdown <laughs> score Monday night. Saquon Barkley at over 3-1 to one cashes for you. So that one looks good. And, uh, and now we welcome you back onto the show. Let's start with the marquee game of the week on this week four card, Bills-Ravens. Michael and I were just talking about uh, just our general sense of Lamar Jackson, how likely we think he is, and, and pretty live here to win MVP at this point. Uh, what's your angle, though, in, uh, in this matchup, looking at Bills and Ravens? Yeah, what's up, guys? Listen, I'm, I'm going to take the Bills here. I'm going to lay the three, three and a half here. Uh, Lamar's been terrific, actually. As we know, 12 total touchdowns. But Baltimore has given up 68 points total last two weeks. That's a lot of points given up. Bills don't lose two in a row. Josh Allen already has over 1,000 yards passing this season. Offense was great last week. Uh, just in terms of yards, over 500 yards against the Dolphins. Couldn't put together those drives to get in the end zone, it seemed like. But I just don't see the Bills losing two in a row. Uh, they led the league in point differential last year. And after three weeks this year, they lead in point differential as well. Um, Buffalo makes Baltimore believers pump the brakes a little bit in week four. I like the Bills to cover the spread here. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, B- Baltimore, I think this is uh, – now, I, we got to figure out – you know, we're Wednesday, so yeah. the injury report's going to be significant, mm-hmm. right, Harry, for this game? Because you got to be worried about uh-huh. Buffalo. Can they play? Can they stop? I think McDermott does a good job scheme. So does Leslie Frazier. The scheme will be able to handle it. They've proven that they can play that way against Lamar. But I don't know where Baltimore gets their answers on defense. They can't really rush the passer. Right. They're not very good at creating negative plays. 
You know, they give up 6.5 yards per play. They've had the most passing attempts of, of any team against them, and that's with the fact that teams average five yards a carry against them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that we saw last week, too, I know uh, Mac Jones went down with that high ankle sprain injury, and uh, but still New England was moving the ball against them. And I don't want to take anything away from Lamar because he has been fantastic, but, I mean, Mark Andrews has been even better. He's been the best tight end in the league so far this season, mm-hmm. uh, even better than uh, Travis Kelsey. And there were a couple passes last week that Lamar almost like that one touchdown in the end zone, which was an unbelievable catch by, by Andrews, kind of throwing up some jump balls there in the end zone. Happened to get fortunate, very fortunate the, the Baltimore was last week to get that touchdown and a couple other plays where Lamar just throws up a, you know, like a pop fly. That's not going to happen against Buffalo here. I know Buffalo was, you know, hides out for the season, and Poyer was out last week. But still, they came together as a defense, only allowed 21 by the Dolphins. They still played really well and helped Dolphins to, I mean, like I said, the Bills got two times the yards than the Dolphins did last year, last week. I think the Bills bounce back here, and like I said, I don't think they lose two in a row. Michael was writing on VEASAN.com here. What, the most ridiculous uh, box, just box score game log you've I, seen in 40 years? I've seen a game book like that. I've never seen one like that. I've never seen a team, you know, and look, take nothing away from Miami. They had three opportunities in the red zone. They scored three touchdowns. But that game, Mm -hmm. when you look at the box score, and I know the heat and humidity played a huge factor in that game. I know it did. But there's no, I mean, that game, a third and 22, you convert, allow them to convert it. When you're playing cover two and you're reading the middle read, Mm -hmm. It's bad. That, it tr- truly, right. truly uh, insane. Yep. And uh, we, we see now. So, Eric, you're looking at uh, you look at Buffalo laying the three, and they're pretty much three flat now. Uh, most of the yeah. market that has come down here from the three and a half. Another game that's lined right around a field goal. I can't help but think this is kind of a fishy number. I'm not going to lie to you, Harry. When you think about the Cowboys off a of Monday night against this awful Washington team who couldn't get any points for you in the over, I had them in contest this past week for Carson Wentz, sacked nine times, hit 17 times. Yeah. Are you surprised Dallas laying only three? We've seen some books now go to three and a half, but still plenty of threes out there in the market right now. I don't understand, Mike. I hope you got an explanation for this because I, I know it's a short week, short week for Dallas. But so what? Cooper Rush, three and zero as a starter in his career. He, hit, I mean, his passes were crisp. They were on the money. That touchdown that he should have had to CD Lamb that he dropped was in stride. Perfect ball. And when you mentioned Ben, nine sacks last week uh, against Carson Wentz. Uh, I mean, what's Dallas? Look, Dallas's defensive line against the Giants was amazing. Give it to Bra- give it up to Brian Dayball to actually stay in that game to the very end because Jones was getting killed. The offensive line was getting run over. Uh, I, I like what they've done in terms of Noah Brown uh, filling in for Gallup. He's been fantastic uh, for uh, for Dallas. I just don't get this, and especially last week when Carson Wentz had a shot to have some redemption here against his former team at home against with his new team and. It was unbelievable because obviously I know I gave out the over with you guys last week and the first half numbers for Washington, it was their possessions was punt, 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 fumble, punt, 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 and hardly any yards at all. So they were three and outs all over the place. They got their touchdown late with a minute to go. That didn't matter. I don't understand this. I don't, I mean, this line to me really should be like five and a half, six. I have it at 6.3 on my ratings, Perry. I don't get it either. And and I don't understand it because the matchup when when you okay so as you look at the numbers and your numbers come up with a matchup with the number right but then you try to play the game off in your head and you're saying look Makai Parsons was probably a C player last week he wasn't even he wasn't healthy he was sick he kind of sucked it up but he mm-hmm. wasn't he wasn't the same guy and they still destroyed the Giants offensive line then you watch Washington play in Detroit. Detroit destroyed them. Carson Wentz had no – they were behind 22 nothing at the half in that game. That was mm-hmm. as worse as the game was in the, with, with the uh, the Eagles, right? They made a little yeah. comeback, but it wasn't. Now you're going on the road in Dallas against a, the best defensive front they're going to play against, and you're telling me that they're going to play good? And then they forced one turnover. They gave up 6.3 yards per play. They gave up 4.9 in the run – like – I don't get it. I, it's such a trap that I'm saying I, I, there's something going on here. Like, I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. It's so fishy, guys. 
Mike, it's so fishy that I'm going to actually probably stay away from it because, it, like you just said, it makes no sense. And throw in, not to mention, you know, Wentz only completing 68.3% of his passes. Uh, the running game for Washington, they've got, they're averaging 3.7 yards a carry. Uh, Antonio Gibson leads them in, after three games with a total of 124 yards, and he's only getting 3.1 yards a carry. I just don't get it, guys. Yeah, I, I don't I, 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 here's, here's what I do every day, Harry. I, I am obsessed with low-ticket number high money, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm going to bet that, but I'm always looking for that because I want to see really – because there's so many shops out there that the book that I'm looking at, I want to see, you know, how many tickets are being played and who's playing them, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, and this game, this game has got 24% of the tickets are on Washington. They've got 56% of the money. Unreal. Yeah. They've got 84% of the money on the money line. So yeah. where, where the answer to that is there's somebody's with algorithms or knows something that is put a lot of money on Washington. Look, and you guys, you know, I've worked in Vegas for 14 years in the books. And when I came, just, just when I come across a game, like, I mean, I, I did like a trip, and I didn't do a double take. I did a triple take when I saw the line. And when this happens, listen, you know what? If Dallas wins this game going away by 17 or whatever, and I stay away from it. I'm not going to be upset because just when that yeah. when it's so far off, I just need to stay away. That, that's, I think it's very nice. Right. Stay away from me. For, for yeah, some that's of these a games. pro betting yeah. tip, Harry. That's pro a pro tip. bet. When yeah. it looks fishy, it's fishy. That's a great yeah. tip. No, I mean, that is a great tip. If, I guess if anything, I mean, the team total for Washington, 18 and a half. Cowboys have given up 19, 17, and 16 so far, and you have an anemic offense coming in. That's the one angle I guess I'd be looking at in that spot. Harry, here in our, our final minute, let's. Uh, you have your three-teamer your three teamer here on the money line, and you have a total for us. So what do you got here for the rest of the plays? Let's do it. Let's do it real quick. Uh, the total I like on Monday night, I like the Rams-San Francisco oh, under. Under 42. I'm going to bounce back with a total here. Harry. Rams deeply, the best game of the year against Arizona. San Francisco, 23rd overall in offense. Really can't get anything going, even with Jimmy G in there. San Francisco has given up just no, one and two, San Francisco. But they've only given up 37 points through three games. I think there's going to be a, a battle between these two NFC West rivals like they did in the NFC title game, which was a 2017 final. I see something like that on Monday night. And then on Sunday, my three-team parlay. Money line parlay. I'm going to bounce back here, guys. At plus, plus 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 two twenty eight. I'm going to take the Eagles at minus two seventy five over Jacksonville in the Doug Peterson Bowl. I think Hurts outshines Lawrence. I'm going to take the Lions minus two ten uh, on the money line. Eight, I don't know if you guys knew that before last week in the fourth quarter against the Vikings, the Detroit Lions, just the Detroit Lions guys, had scored a touchdown in eighteen straight quarters dating back to last year. They've got a heck of an offense. The Lions do. Uh, I think they take care of Seattle easily. They're averaging 32 points a game, the Lions are. And I'm going to take the Vikings in London, minus 160 against the Saints. Winston's banged up. He's been throwing some picks. Minnesota survived against Detroit on Sunday. Justin Jefferson gets back in business, shows off for the fans in London. Vikings, Lions, Eagles, Moneyline Parlay, Pace Plus. Love it. Harry, thanks as always, man. Great great to see you here on the show. At uh, AAO Harry. Give, give Harry a follow there. Coast of the Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal. We'll come back, wrap things up with a couple of divisional breakdowns. That's next on the Lombardi Line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points. You can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back for the final time on the Lombardi line. Big thanks as well to our entire crew. Brian Ortega doing a great job filling in as our producer. Shout out as well, Andrew Ingold, our technical director, Mikhail. Sergio, Rob, entire crew. Takes a lot of people, Michael, to at least make me look presentable. Takes a village. Takes a it village. sure does. Appreciate uh, it. Michael Lombardi, I'm Ben Wilson. Patrick back tomorrow as we finish the show. Michael, talking a couple of divisional matchups this week in week four. And it's it, for, for a couple of these spots here, really telling signs this week specifically. We'll start in the game in Las Vegas. And we'll just kind of preclude this by saying is we we talk about every week when we discuss the Raiders, uh, your son on that uh, offensive staff. However, <laughs> we you know we still look at this game somewhat objectively. And I'll start on the Denver front, Michael. Did it really tell you much about about the state of that franchise and the state of that team uh, just because they were able to somehow scrape out an 11-10 win over San Francisco Sunday night? Well, I think it told us that look, they're good defensively, and San Francisco is really good defensively. So. I mean, we learned that. And we also know that, you know, Russell made a play when he had to make a play, moved around. But, you know, they've got skilled players. They move the ball up and down the field. They don't get the ball in the red zone, and they make too many mistakes. I mean, they have too many penalties called against them. They are negative in that concern, and they do things that you shouldn't do. But they're a formidable – they'll be the best team the Raiders have played by far. And so, but the Raiders are a team that has just basically given games away. I mean, you can't really – they could easily be 3-0, and and they're 0-3. And partly that is because their execution uh, in the red zone. They've got guys open. They don't make the throw. they got guys open. The guys drop the ball. They have not handled the details of winning, of what it takes to really win to become a good team. And they will be challenged today against the third-best defense in all of football in terms of yards. And this offense, even though they have struggled, they're still, you know, a, a very tough team. So this is going to be the Raiders got to get their pass rush going. They've got to get Chandler Jones to the level he was last year. Crosby's dynamic. They get Perryman back. I think that helps them defensively. And you look at Las Vegas, too. The situational spot is enticing to a lot of betters. We've seen this line go up from Las Vegas minus two, basically a blanket two and a half right now. The 0-3 team in a really tough division at a pretty much must-win spot considering the expectations for the season. That's all and well, right? But as you point out, it, it's really about the matchup here. And for Denver, it's like you know you hire a, a new game manager to come in and Jerry Rossberg, who had not been in the NFL for a couple of years, in the one-game sample size, uh, Michael, what did you make of that whole relationship with Rosberg up in the booth and hack it down on the sideline for Denver? 
I almost think it's comical that people think that somebody can manage the game on the day of the game. Like, I, I think that's comical. I'm going to write about this for Friday. Game management starts on Wednesday, today, right? You, you're going to set up your game plan so that you know going into the game that you're going to go for it on fourth down in these situations. You're going to, you're going to do this in these situations. Like, the game management has to be practiced. It's just nothing that goes triggered. It's got to be rehearsed and practiced and the way it's going to go. You know, we think we could take advantage of this or that. You know, as when do we use timeouts, that's certainly game day. When we challenge, that's game day. But the implementation of how do we manage this game starts on Wednesday. It actually starts on, on Monday night, Tuesday, as you put together the game plan. Yeah. You know, if I'm Pete Carroll, and just make me Pete Carroll for or or I'll be <laughs> yeah. Josh McDaniels for a moment, right? Like, look, I want to control. I got to figure out how to control this ball. You know, I got to stay away from Sertan. I've got to work the other corners. I got to handle Chubb at left ta- at, at right end, and I've got to be able to get the ball in the red zone and score. And I, I've got to understand the scheme that they're running. Now, this will be the second time they face a Vic Fangio scheme because there's the Denver's running Fangio scheme there, even though he's gone. So that that's it. And then defensively, they got to handle the West Coast offense from its purest level. How do I pace the game? How do I play the game? What do I do? I think it'll be a close game back and forth. Yeah, we're, uh, you made the number. I would imagine in the in just the shy of three range. Is that uh, fair, probably for Broncos Raiders? Uh, I had this as an 0.125 game. So I have these two teams for... extremely even. You know, right there. And, yeah. You know, and 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 because of the home field. You know, if this game was in Denver, Denver would be favored. This game here, to me, uh, it's kind of a pick 'em game for me. So, you know, if you're going to get the, I would lean. I have to take the points with Denver if I play it, which I don't play any Raider games on anything that I give out. You will yeah. never see me give out a Raider or a Carolina game because I'm not going down that road. He's not going down that road. We, we appreciate that, Michael. As far as the other divisional game, I want to get your thoughts on Colts Titans. You have this Indianapolis team that wins where until the final drive of the game. Only offensive touchdown comes on a five-yard field after a Sky Moore botched punt inside his own 10-yard line there. They win with a, with a, just a gaggle of special teams issues from Kansas City. Uh, they get a very fortuitous, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Chris Jones that would have ended what ultimately contributed to be the game-winning drive. Colts now stay at home. They're about three, now up to three-and-a-half-point favorites. We've seen the book shift here off the field goal, hosting a Tennessee team who just beat the Raiders, hung on despite not scoring a point in the second half. Two teams who've been pretty unimpressive through three weeks. Who do you give the edge to in this one? Well, I mean, look, this is a hard one. I have a 1.1 in Indianapolis. If this game was in Tennessee, I would favor uh, I would favor Tennessee, but it's in Indianapolis, and Indy, Indy lost to them twice last year. Both close games. Forget the score. They were close games, and Wentz turned the ball over at the most inopportune times in those games. So, look, I... What, what won the game last week for Tennessee, in spite of what Jonathan Vilma was watching, was the passing game. Was their ability to check the ball down, the screens to Henry. Henry hasn't had a 100-yard game yet. He struggled to get going behind an offensive line that features two tackles that are not very good. Now they got to go on the road, right? When you're a young line and a bad line, they don't travel very well, especially in crowd noise, right? And, you know, now... Tennessee's defensive front can put some pressure, but their secondary is not very good. This Tennessee team is not very talented at all. They really aren't. They, they've got problems on all levels. Long make, David Long makes a ton of tackles. Simmons is really good, but they struggle. And I think if Indianapolis gets their offensive line to play at a higher level, they will move the football on them. And if Frank Wright stops going for it on fourth down and losing games, they'll be even better. I just can't help but keep wondering, Indianapolis right now, they're 12th in the NFL in pass rate. You have a guy in Matt Ryan who has proven to be pretty immobile. The protection hasn't been great for him. And with a young group of wide receivers, it's just looked like the suboptimal play calling so many times. When you have arguably a top five running back, maybe the best in the game right now in Jonathan Taylor. Do you see this changing, this, uh, you know, this, this discrepancy here in the run versus the pass for Indy? Well, they got to find a way to get the running game going. It's hard to when you know he's getting the ball, right? There's some penetration. People take chances. They're, they have to create negative plays. You know, it's one thing for us to sit here and say, let's, you should run the ball more. But then when you're in second and 14, you want to run the ball here because you gave up a negative play. That's why you have, to, you have to chart negative plays every week because this affects the offense. When Dallas, when the Giants, for example, get a negative play against them, it's probably going to be the, the, the drive's over. There's a good chance because they can't really come back from that. 
It's the same thing, you know, it's the same thing with Indianapolis. They get a negative play. Their passing game isn't quite good enough. So, you know, to me, Tennessee's the same way. So I think you got to be careful. But they, they need to run the ball. But a lot of their problems in the run game, Ben, have been their offensive line has not played well. I mean, last week the Chiefs line didn't play well and the Colts line didn't play well. And both teams have put money in those lines. They're just not playing to the level they need to play to be very effective. When you look at, too, the fact that, as you mentioned, the way the line play a lot of times is, is what we don't necessarily value. We look at the specific running back like a Derrick Henry or a Jonathan Taylor, two guys going at it in this game. Indianapolis is an overall running back room, four yards a carry, tied for 23rd so far. And that's where you build your team around. Like they didn't, you, right. you don't, you don't, you don't think Matt Ryan came in expecting to throw forty to forty-five no. times a game, right? And he didn't expect to get hit like before he even knows it. I mean, they don't even block a guy. I mean, he just, I mean, he was on his back the first game. Look, whatever we think of, you know, one of the things that really impressed me with Jacksonville when you watch Jacksonville play Indy last week, it was seven minutes to go in the first quarter. The game was over. Like, I don't care what the score was, the game was over. There was no way Indianapolis was coming back in that game. And that's how impressive Jacksonville was. Whereas Indy just can't get going with their offense. And they didn't protect very good against the Chiefs. Well, he got sacked five more times. It's a hard game to handicap this week with the flaws on uh, on both sides. Are you ready as, as we head out here today to put Jacksonville, power rate them number one in the AFC South, or is that too premature? Oh, I no, I, I think they win the South. They're the best team. Only P, only Peterson going for it on fourth down and doing something stupid is going to cost them for yeah. winning the South. Say this, P, Peterson kind of backtracked this this past week in L.A., settled for a couple short field goals. I was looking after, at you. After, he, like, tur- after yeah. he went for it and didn't get it, he's like, okay, maybe I should Maybe he started listening to Michael, finally. <laughs> great uh, working with you as always, Michael. Well, we'll Thanks, see you ben. back tomorrow with Patrick Thank you so Maher. much. Appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Great, uh, great work as Thanks, always. Brian. In the meantime, up next, it is Vison Big Bets, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Amal. Shaw coming your way from the South Point right after this here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.